You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host for this episode, Justin Reamer. Today, we're so thrilled to welcome Rob Severe to talk about his book, Stay Cool, Madonna. Um, Rob is the co-founder of the Numero Group, a record label that specializes in rediscovering obscure music from the 1960s through the 1990s. In the nearly 19 years that the label has existed, it has created over 300 unique releases and been rewarded with 11 Grammy nominations. Rob himself has six. Rob is currently a member of the Chicago Grammy Chapter Board of Governors. He has also produced projects or written, <laughs> or written liner notes for numerous other labels. Now again, Drag City, Locust Music, Dusty Groove, Lawaka Bop, Cali Tex, and Chocolate Industries, amongst others. His passion projects also include this art book of fan mail sent to Madonna in the 80s and 90s, international DJ gigs, and regularly touring Japan and Europe. Thanks for being here, Rob. Thanks for having me. Cool. Um, and so the the book Stay Cool Madonna has a little intro that you wrote. Um, and if you would, could you please read that for us? I would be happy to read it. I did write it. I'd, um, so I'll get more into the, the details behind this, but this is this is what I wrote. And and reading it now is funny because I actually don't really even remember writing it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I did. I know I wrote it, and I know. And reading it feels very much like my writing, but um, I'm kind of actually surprised. Um, okay, here it is. The details don't really matter. Some colorless office with some dreary acronym that certainly included an A for agency or association or affiliate housed these works at the behest of the International Madonna Corporation until they were no longer contractually obligated to. This accidental trove of visionary outsider art was quite literally rescued from the garbage shortly after the business entity that is Madonna parted ways with her management company of nearly a decade. This is a unique document of the impression that the Madonna Messiah left on the collective international psyche during the late 1980s and through the 1990s. Whether or not you like Madonna's music isn't really that important. I mean, you should, it's all pretty great during this period. But this is the sort of document that tends to be cloistered away from the public eye. It's the overdose victims who took too much of what was intended to be consumed only superficially at a time when the reach of a megastar now extended into every aspect of everyday life and evening entertainment. To quote Teresa, my life got destroyed because of your force. That, that's a piece in the book. Mm-hmm. That pretty much sums up the experience of everyone included here. Primarily, you will find the work of people who do not consider themselves artists. Only through the magnitude of Madonna's supernova-like intensity do they find themselves divinely inspired. I mean, you talk about it basically all this stuff in here basically getting trashed. How, how did you get it? How did you get it? <laughs> so I, I got it, you know, interestingly, I mean, once, once you're digging through the trash, you know, there's going to be, you're going to find all manner of stuff. So mm-hmm. we're not, I'm, I tend to be more of a, you know, a record collector and, and I'm always on the hunt for master reels. And, and I got it from uh, a record. I got all this, material from a record dealer in fact uh, a guy named oh. anthony uh, an artist named anthony pearson who um 
was for a number of years uh, a really um, kind of a, a wild personality of a record collect, uh, sorry, of a record dealer and record collector. And it was kind of like, it was kind of funding his life while he uh, got his art career off the ground, which now is quite off the ground. He's, he's pretty respected and, and known in, in some circles. Um, and I got it from him because he was going through a storage unit and had had shoved it into there at one point um, after not knowing what to do with it. And and so I just I just got it all. You know, I said, just send it oh, all wow. to me. So he, you know, he got it from the guy who, you know, salvaged it. And, you know, he was kind of just, he was, he was just out there. He was known as the kind of guy who could, who could handle such a collection. And, and so it ended up in his hands. Um, and partly be, because he, he lives at the uh, intersection of art and and uh music this was something that fell into his lap he just you know it just wasn't quite something he could do with yeah well it's it's kind of fascinating because it's it's not like it you know thinking of like the movie slacker it's not like madonna's pap smear it's not like something she actually probably even saw or touched but it's like all this stuff that was sort of reflected at her so it's it's kind of odd that someone had the the wherewithal to save any of it um did you like like looking at it where you just like this is cool or when did the light click on like oh this could be something for me I, as soon as i even heard what it was you know because there's not, there's not i you know part of part of this comes from the fact that i deal with such low level um artists in in the sort of like on the on the not not artistically low level but as far as the the amount of respect and you know compensation they've received their 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 exists at a lower level it's this this kind of document is insanely rare i mean find any other trove like this you know as soon as it's as soon as it's um you know enters the black hole of of an artist's sort of like you know quote unquote po box i mean none of this stuff is a real po box it's, it disappears. It's shredded. It's not, you know, this is, this is not something that you can get. There's, this doesn't exist for other people. Interestingly, there's a similar book called love letters to the Beatles that uh, was published in the, in obviously in the sixties. And it, and it's, it just contains a very small handful of, of love letters. Uh, I mean, we're talking like the whole book has like 25 letters. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's amazing, like, like going through the Stay Cool Madonna book, like just the variety and like how far it comes, like literally all around the world. Um, you have a great section right in the beginning. That's just all these airmail envelopes from like Ethiopia, Thailand, et cetera. Um, and they're beautiful. Yeah. And it's beautiful. also, it's also interesting because I wonder where they're writing to, because so many people have the same weird misspelling of Madonna, Louise, Veronica, Chacon, like like there's so many ways that people have butchered it around. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, yeah, well, I I I wonder like because because with with the releases for Numero Group, like quite often you'll have kind of very nice uh, supplementary booklets that have the. Um, the pictures and the and the flyers and the stuff with it like um 
I don't know. Has it always has that always been part of like music for you? Is is the the ephemera? I guess absolutely. And I mean, this this is a you know, it's it's interesting because this is the ephemera that is like should be the companion to you know Madonna's greatest hit. I mean, I, you know, or some collection. You know, I mean, yeah. this is this is this is the lost notes, the crowdsourced sort of like you know devotion devotional literature to madonna um and yeah there's there's no there's no place for this in in any anywhere else in the world you know and and it is intriguing so you know to look at this book and say hey oh i'd love to get this for any other artist name an artist can't do it doesn't exist you know and and since i since i did this and happened upon this i've talked to a couple other you know, artist managers who, you know, and just, just kind of just, you know, who I deal with, who deal with larger artists. And I'm like, what do you guys do with this stuff? And to it, to the, the final number, they all just shred them. They just shred them. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they're not, I mean, they're, no one's interested. Now, granted, very little comes in, in, in sort of like print form relative to the way it used to be, yeah. but it's still, fan mail is still a thing physical fan mail is still a thing and none of it ever gets to the artist it's it's shredded as soon as basically as soon as it comes in the door you know i mean it's it's actually considered i mean in in depending on who you who you ask i mean it's considered somewhat of a threat you know i mean it's and and i will say you know one thing one note that i that i should make as far as the curation we pretty much got you know there's there's um there's a couple people in here who are little sort of like on the on the fringe of this but we we eliminated anything that sort of like threatened rape or or was extremely misogynist um i didn't really want that to be part of this story now there's a couple really absurd people who just seem very full of themselves and they're just kind of like you know hey obviously we're going to be together so (laughs) you know that that's the vibe of a couple like i was okay with that vibe but we did and, and because there really, I mean, there is that in here, you know, you've got this sort of like guilty conservative, like slut shamer archetype <laughs> who's like, has to let Madonna, you know, he's like clearly obsessed with Madonna, but has to let Madonna know that she's an irredeemable slut, you know, right. um, that kind of thing we cut, you know, I just, I don't, I don't, there's no room for that. I mean, it kind of, there's, you know, it kind of has that W Somerset, have you ever read a rain by, uh, I believe oh. it's Somerset mom. I mean, it's basically this preacher thinks he's going to convert this prostitute and he ends up raping her. And in this, you know, they're both stranded in this, on this Polynesian Island. It's a great, great story. Um, but it is, uh, that's kind of, you know, you get that kind of force, that kind of energy in here. And there's just nothing. No, I had no interest in that. I wanted to get, get rid of that as much as possible. Well, there's, there are so many, like it is, it, revealing of so many different kinds of relationships that people are having uh with madonna like some are already sort of like talking to her as if they're old friends like you don't mind if i call you maddie um yeah uh, or even the guy that's like can you believe that they've taken smoking off of airplanes as though this was like a conversation they were having yeah yeah amazing but my my favorite is it actually reminded me that I did once it was it was Weird Al Yankovic, but I did once write a fan letter to Weird Al Yankovic yeah. suggesting a parody for him. And oh, like wow. look, looking at these like letters that have like people who've like even written lyrics to songs, it's like, oh my gosh, that kind of 
that does take me back to a moment where I was like 12 and I was like, I don't know, maybe Weird Al has time to read a letter from me and think that, I, you know, funny. I'll be honest, if, if, if anybody has time to read his fan mail or, or at least has the will to read his fan mail, it's, it's Weird Al. Right. <laughs> I mean, he is, have you, have you ever met him? Has he ever come into no. the skylight? Oh I mean, God. maybe, maybe before my time, but no, I haven't had a chance to meet him. Well, what's interesting. So this, here's a little, here's a little Weird Al. Um, I, there's no reason for you to watch this, but if you watch my, um, I did a, are you familiar with the what's in my bag series for Amoeba? Oh, Amoeba. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So they did this. So I did a what's in my bag and I was like, well, no one gives a, no one gives a fuck about me. So like, I should actually turn this into like more of like a journalistic pursuit. So I, turn my what's in my bag into like into like a, a almost like a line set of liner notes for what's in my bag which is basically like what where did this come from who what's the origin of what's in my bag and it turns out you might enjoy this that what's in my bag was started more or less impromptu as sort of like an excuse to like meet and interview Weird Al because Weird Al was in the store. <laughs> and I guess, and it just like, we're, everyone's just like, Weird Al, Weird Al's in the store. Weird Al's, you know, and everyone's like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We gotta talk to him. And so they're like, they they basically, I, I think the, there was the kernel of the idea before, but then they sort of was like, Weird Al was when it just, it was like, this is the greatest celebrity of all time. We have to, ha <laughs> we have, to have an excuse to talk to him. And so they, they talked to him. And then, so I, after I found that out, then when I did meet Weird Al, I was like, yeah, here's, I don't know if you're aware of this, but like the whole what's in my bag. And he was very aware of what's in my bag as a concept and what it become. And he was pretty flattered to know that it was created for him basically. Wow. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's just the kind of response that he gets. I mean, he's, 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 in, he's a, you know, meeting him is, is a, is a, is an incredible thrill because he is as warm and, thoughtful and and kind as you would expect you know someone like him to be it's it he lives up to the hype in every possible way yeah that's that's what i hear that's um on the other hand um not to be cheesy but what what do you think about madonna these days do you think she has stayed cool <laughs> um i can't I, it's it's um that's an interesting question i i don't I think she has in a way, in her own way. I mean, I, you know, she's, she's a social media phenomena on some level still. And um, I think she kind of, you know, like in, in her own weird way, she kind of gets it, you know, her like, mm, I did, mm -hmm. I started the, I started the Madonna fan mail thing as an Instagram thing. And the only Instagram account naturally that we follow is Madonna. And, <laughs> and so I, it's weird. Like, I don't think I, I don't follow her on my main account, but I do follow her in that context. And, uh, and so I kind of see what she's about and just, I don't, you know, it's like, she always manages to sort of like find a place in whatever gestalt, you know, like, she's. <laughs> I think, I think that she, I just, I, I do think she's savvy and in, in her way has stayed cool, but, um, I mean, this lives in such a separate world that it's hard for me to even connect the Madonna of this book with the Madonna of reality. Yeah. You know, um, well, I can't say, I don't, I don't follow her music. I, I will say the last record I listened to by her was confessions, confessions on a dance floor. And um, that's, a, yeah. that's a great record, but that's also like 20 years old at this point. Right. Exactly. 
yeah, I, I, I haven't really engaged in a while either. Um, so I'm curious, like, how, like a little bit of background, I guess, like, how did you get involved sort of in like being in this sort of crate digger underground or, or whatever um, that led to Numero and led to you sort of knowing a guy who knows a guy who has Madonna stuff? I mean, that's a long journey, I guess, but um, I think uh, on a basic level, you know, I found out about, I, I think that I've heard that the Grand Royal, um, I was talking about this a little bit recently. I mean, Grand Royal was a big influence and they, are you familiar with the magazine Grand Royal? No. It was uh, the Beastie Boys magazine. Oh, and right, right. it's sort of, it was a pastiche, but it sort of like celebrated all types of digging, mm -hmm. you know? So it would, it would be a whole issue on, uh, not a whole issue, but it would be like, you know, these these issues, the idea of going into something, going absolutely unbelievably deep into something totally mundane and like unacademic probably doesn't come from this magazine, but like there's, a, there's 40 pages on Demolition Derby in an issue. You know, and Spike Jones, if I recall correctly, director Spike Jones, I think gets his own derby. I mean, they go like totally over the top in their research. Oh, wow. This is literally for a mag. This is for a magazine that I don't know, probably sold 20, 30,000 copies. I mean, I really don't know what the press run of Grand Royal was, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I think it's six issues and every issue is flawless and just a, a pastiche of all so many different cultures. And like it is, you know, primarily, it's not just about digging for records or digging for VHS tapes or digging for comic books or any of that. It's sort of just about digging for like knowledge, for information. And, you know, they, there was nothing they were, there was no, you know, I, there was another one that was like a Spike Jones guide to the best hotel swimming pools you can break into in down LA, downtown LA. <laughs> I think it was Spike Jones. It might've been, it might've been Ricky, the, the photographer dude mm -hmm. um but you know grant i read those issues when i was in high school there's a there's a thurston moore article in there about um 10 it's called like 10 transmissions from the free jazz underground or something like that and that it that article to me was like the ground zero of sort of like stepping up i mean i bought records I dug for records on some level, but that was like, that at least set my sights on like, this is actually how deep the rabbit hole go goes, you know? Because mm -hmm. he presents this, this, these 10 free jazz records and they're just like, I mean, I've since gotten most of them or had them at various times, but at the time it just seemed like absolutely so incredibly deep and like, and so, but you know, just the, the culture of crate digging around, you know, samples and, and hip hop was for me, the start of all that, um, yeah. you know, and then, you know, you get people who like made it, you know, DJ shadow, uh, Dante Carfagna. I mean, these are people who made it seem incredibly cool and beyond just like, you know, as soon as you get into it, you're, you know, it's like, they all, you know, those, those are the people who taught me how that, you know how to like laugh at like the the grinders at the record show but also still get what you went there for you know i mean it's like it is a it's a it's a crazy world to enter and you can't 
take it too seriously, even while this is the serious pursuit of so many people. Yeah. And, and, and obviously you're a DJ, but I, do you, do you still like uh, DJ on vinyl or how do you, how do you DJ? I, I mean, I'm, I am only in, you know, nominally a DJ and yes, <laughs> the only, the only reason, I mean, I like, I like to DJ cause I like to go, you know, I can do it in other countries or whatever for fun and have that as part of like the experience of, you know, traveling. Um, I don't care that much, but absolutely I play all vinyl because that's what, that's what the people that are bringing me there want. Mm, that okay. is, that is, that is what I bring to the table. If, I can't just show up with the laptop. That's not interesting, you know? Right. And I usually, when I go, if I, if I do a Japan tour, I'll bring a zine to sell. I'll bring, you know, it's like, I'll do other things to make it special, to make it unique, to make it an experience just for, that time you know it's not just about me playing records but that can be a fun night but it's not just about that it's sort of about the culture as well yeah is um yeah this is a this is a little bit nerdy and granular but like is that why uh numero group does so many like sort of pop-up stores and tours like that just to, to sort of like um i don't know get into those cultures and see the people <clears throat> uh, i would say that that is probably the main part of it. I mean, it is, you know, we, it's, it's some of those, some of the pop-up shops are lucrative, but like, it's, it's actually great. I mean, it's, it's a little beyond that because it does give you a chance to get in the mix with the people that are buying your records, which is, you know, really important, you know, it, it, like it's, it's hard to have those conversations any other way. And, and sometimes when you do have those conversations, it's just someone randomly emailing you. And, and it, that's very different than seeing someone in person, being able to like answer the questions that they have and it really sincerely, really directly. There's, there's no, there's no alternative to that. Um, yeah. It's, it gets harder and harder for us to do those kind of tours, but we, they're still fun. I mean, we just did one in September and it was a blast. Honestly, it was, it was incredible to see people, to check in with people. Um, that was kind of like the moment when thing that the pandemic dipped yeah. for it before, I think before Delta, but definitely before Omicron. And um, we did one that was all outdoors and it was really, it was neat. I mean, I was driving a 24 foot truck around the country and trying to oh, figure wow. out where to, park it you know i, I yeah. mean it wasn't yeah th these aren't like you know these are not these are hard working trips you know yeah yeah i um i don't remember how long ago it was though but like when when um numero took over that little space just on in los Feliz, not far from where skylight is yeah. um um uh, i stopped in there it, it was uh I don't know. Yeah, it, it it's fun to be able to like not just be flipping through a website and actually get to like flip through the records and yeah. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I mean that was a that was our friend uh, Sinai's store, and uh, that was that was such a great location. And it actually kind of brought me into Skylight a bit more, which I, is just a store that I really adore. And um, and you know, it, it does occur. I did think of one thing because I I recently revisited you know, just back to your question about, you know, like, where does it come from? I, I actually think Dan Close, the cartoonist is also yeah. probably like a little, not equally responsible, but he, he, he always presented a sort of pastiche of subcultures that, that appealed to me. And also, you know, 
you can tell this is a guy who is a, a deep and insightful into in just into subcultures and there is a, a comic strip that i think he did in like 1986 and he he it was based on the guy that did all the like um crypt records releases um and like uh i think what are they called um i'm not a big garage rock collector so I, i'm spacing on the name but it, they're like from the grave or something like that yeah 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 tim warren is the guy's name he did he did a comic strip in the 80s that i read 90 91 92 like you know before i was even in high school where they go and bring, interview a garage band and they tell this wild story and then you know at the end of it they're like you gotta check out our new stuff we're you know we're even better now and they get up and they're playing a cover of we built this city by starship <laughs> and i was just you know that i mean it's crazy because i read that long before i even had the experience of interviewing a band but it really did demystify the experience that would become very much part of my reality um within a decade you know i mean that i still read that strip from time to time it's called uh wild night and teen was it i think it's called like it's wild night in tiger town is what it's called okay and it's in it's in it's a lloyd llewellyn story which i think i'm i don't i can't I don't have like insider information on this, but I get the sense that Dan Close has kind of distanced himself from all the Lloyd Llewellyn uh, material. Are you familiar mm -hmm. with that stuff? Am I, am I talking about No, great? no, I I, uh, I do know Dan Close, uh, some of his stuff like Ghost World and whatever, but I, I don't go that deep, unfortunately. L Lloyd Llewellyn was his 80s stuff. And, and, and Lloyd Llewellyn himself lives in this sort of like pastiche world of like exotica and like lounge scenes and like, it's it, it, I highly recommend it. I uh -huh. feel like you, you know, but it's also like pretty hard to even get like one of the cheap versions. You you can collect uh -huh. the comics pretty, the, all the comics are pretty cheap, um, but it lives. It's, it's a really fun world to, to visit. It's like, it's like fake hard boiled detective in this, like, just, you know, this like pastiche of tiki bars and, and exotica. And like, it, it really is, incredibly fun and it's it's a little disappointing that like absolutely none of it is available you can't i mean i can't i can recommend it to someone but i'm basically recommending that they go like spend a year trying to like track all right. these books down you know but right that, that's the funny thing too is that i feel like um like yeah i was i was pretty young when sort of like the uh the sort of 90s exotica resurgence came back but then, like, actually right around the time that you guys put out your uh, Exotica compilation, I was like, this stuff's really good. Yeah. And so, that, so now that you're saying that, I'm like, oh, that's kind of, like, right up my alley. And I'm like, eh, now I might go down this hole. <laughs> I, I, I think you are qualified to go down the hole, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think you'll be able to track down these books with relative ease. It's not for everyone. I actually probably have a dupe I could, of one or two that I could send you. But oh, wow. it, yeah, yeah, I mean, especially because like Esquivel, yeah, I mean, like that, I, I'm, the, I'm in the same, I mean, I'm 43. So I remember when those like Esquivel reissues happened in like, I don't know, 94, 95. Um, and those were, you know, that was mind blowing stuff, you know, and you can still get those all the Les Baxter records you wanted for next to nothing. Yeah. Um, those are fun times. I don't think, and I don't think I really even like appreciated them as much as I should have, you know, that wasn't really my like, core world but as far as musical interest but i did have a lot i was impressed by discovering those and they and it it very much dovetailed with like 
the, the, the sort of Dan Close worldview at the time, so, which, you know, my favorite cartoonist. So I, you know, yeah, I, I recommend it. I, I think if you, if you like Exotica and that world, well, one, I mean, I've got a couple more books coming that I'm pretty excited about that I think you'll like a lot too. Oh, nice. What's, what's in the, what's in the pipeline? <laughs> I think the next thing that I've got coming out is this, is this collection of uh, a photographer named Lois, unknown photographer named Lois. She basically, I'm, I'm certain she's deceased now, but in Philadelphia in the 1970s, she was going around taking photos of, um, she, so, okay. The Mike Douglas show was shot in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And she would basically stalk the Mike Douglas show and take photos of celebrities either with her or she'd just take a candid photo of them. Oh, wow. And and uh, it was a, you know, it, it's a really cool series of photos and it's some obscure artists and it's some very well-known artists. And they're all, some of them are like incredibly framed and some of them feel very haphazard. Um, but I kind of map out the street where she takes all these photos. There's like a, there's like basically two main blocks where she uh-huh. takes these photos and she's just stopping people on the street, you know, because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're James Brown, you still, you know, basically you're, you're still walking from your hotel to Mike Douglas show in the middle, in the middle of the day, yeah. you know? There's and, a, there's and a, so, oh, I was just going to say quick, there's a guy on Instagram now, excuse me. There's a guy on Instagram now, I think his handle is like Portroids. And he mm-hmm. just has a, a Polaroid camera and he does that to people now. I, I think he goes to different of like he's not just staking out one show, yeah. but like he and then um if he can get them to stick around long enough, he has them sign the Polaroid, but sometimes it's clearly like snap and then like they Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well and, and it's interesting. I mean, it is a totally different culture now of celebrity, you know, and that's yeah. that's what I think is fascinating about this book, you know, it's it's, you know, I, I'm still, the working title is something like, you know, like Celebrity Stockings by Lois, like as <laughs> Lois is the author. But I mean, and it's only, you know, I only know her first name. I bought these off eBay um, as a set and it, cause my, and it was just like, this is like a really magical moment in time that is, does a couple things. One, it connects, it, it, it connects you with that reality that celebrity culture was different and it's really hard to convey how different it was these photographs actually convey that you know and so what i did was i took i took newspaper quote quotes from newspapers at the time so because you know at the time it was frequently the case and this is this is very foreign you're just in town doing a, a a play and you'll get on the mike douglas show you're in town doing a couple nights at like the Coco Cabana or whatever. And you're on the Mike Douglas show talking mm-hmm. about that, right? Entertainment at a, even club entertainment was, was, was enough to just get you on, you know, a nationally syndicated talk show. Yeah. Um, that's pretty foreign. Even just that, you know, it, just a very different, there's it, just a, it, it captures a very different world of celebrity and entertainment than we know today and that's kind of what i'm trying to present with this book so i i take snippets from the newspaper of their like whatever their local appearance was right because people didn't just come to town for the mike douglas show they were on the mike douglas show because they're promoting something that they're also in town for right so what i did was I, i took the newspaper quote from that and usually they're really like hammy 
like really kind of corny, you know, bits in the paper. And then I, so pair that with the photos just to give this sense of it. And then, you know, I, we just draw out a little map of what the, what the, we were able to base, I was basically able to map out the businesses on that block on the basically two block section that's right, all right around where the Mike Douglas show was. And uh, so I kind of, we just, there's a little map. So that's it. I mean, it's like a, you know, it's like a 90 page book, but it was, it was really fun really fun to put together that's great when it when is that coming do you know um i'm sending it off to the printers in about a month so i don't know a couple two two three months cool and it, it, it's gonna be like stay cool madonna where it's sort of like you you are your publisher essentially oh yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not yeah this is just fun this is just a fun side thing for me cool yeah i um that's great. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just then, then, sure. then the next book after that I'm actually working on is like um, a book of like lounge ephemera photos and ephemera from lounge artists. And it kind of, it's, it's similar in that it's sort of presenting a different world of entertainment and it's not just photo. It's like, it's, it's, it's a, from a large collection and it's kind of just shows it, even down to teletypes and and telegrams and letters like what goes into the world of entertainment in the 60s and early 70s because it really was such a different world you your your role you know every town had had many clubs that needed to have live entertainment there's no such thing as a dj right yeah. and and you're you're you've got club owners and they're trying to get people out for a full night they need a full night of entertainment so it's like if you as an entertainer can provide both comedy and music and a little dance you're providing a whole night of entertainment this is this is what these people are trying to like present is, yeah. is versatility the number one when you read their like their promotional material the number one word you'll see is versatility <laughs> wow and that's why that's why I, the, I think that the title of the book is just going to be versatility i mean that we're a little further off on that one but it literally it comes up all the time because everyone wants to show that they're a versatile performer, you know, and it, and it's interesting to to someone like you or I that we grew up in a world where like four bored dudes can get on stage and play for <laughs> half an hour and that's a show, right? <laughs> that that you couldn't get away with that, you know, and and that that yeah. was that was not a thing in 1966. Yeah, you know, you you had to bring it. You had to come show up at the Coco Cabana with a whole show. You had to, you had to have a few jokes. You might even do a little card trick on stage. I mean, you got you you really need a lot more than just like some songs that you wrote half-heartedly. Like this is right. this is <laughs> entertainment was serious business then. And that's that's the other thing is I just want to show what that world was like because that world is lost. You know, yeah. it, there's a little bit here and there that still exists, but it's basically lost, you know. Yeah, I feel like I feel like my parents would talk about or would or would say something like, "Oh, are you going out to the nightclub?" And I'd be like, yeah. nightclub? No, I'm going to a bar where maybe someone is playing music. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 crazy how just how like you know lazier we are, you know, and lazier our expectations are as far as like a a night of entertainment is just means so much less now, and it's hard to convey that. And it's not that you know, it's not that we don't have fun, and it's not that like you know, seeing some of the you know these bands isn't like the greatest experience, but it's like, it is just fascinating how little we expect from like a, a night out now, you know? 
Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of what I want to present with this, you know, with this book. So uh, the working title is versatility. And I don't know if that's what it's going to end up at, but um, that's probably going to take another eight or nine months to complete, unfortunately. Well, that sounds great too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun one. Um, cool. All right. Um, this has been excellent. Thank you, Rob, for talking with us. Of course. Um, as always, you can come to Skylight Books at 1818 North Vermont Avenue in the Los Feliz neighborhood in LA, or you can check us out at skylightbooks.com. Please pick up Stay Cool Madonna, spelled M-A-D-A-N-N-A, because um, that's how this gentleman chose to spell Madonna. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but uh, it's it's really great, and it's, it's full color, and there's great art. Uh, well, there's questionable art and then there's some great art as well um but yeah and thanks rob for uh for talking with me anytime thank you for listening to the skylight books podcast series please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram also don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations you can find us on podbean itunes and spotify Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.